Brett texted in and says, It's a tornado warning. I've always wanted to die listening to Cranville. That would be a terrible way to die. Please listen to something else. But I appreciate the support, Brett. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I want to speak to Wisconsin sports fans just to start the show. Like from the perspective of a Wisconsin sports fan, like I, th- I think we have, a, have to have a candid conversation. I love the passion that this state has for its sports. Like Packers fans, man. You wait for 20 years to get season tickets, right? Like we love our team. Brewers, yes. Bucks, yes. I, I get the passion. I love the passion. If there was no passion, this show probably wouldn't matter. No one would listen to it. But I feel like we got to relax. I feel like we got to take a little bit of a, a pill. Take a deep breath because we're going to kill ourselves. Like last night, the Bucks lose game one. Fire everybody. Trade everybody. We're just, we're so quick on the trigger all the time. And part of that is passion. And I like that. I enjoy that. But we're going to, we're going to kill ourselves. We're going to give ourselves a heart attack. We already eat so much beef and cheese. We're halfway there. We got to, we got to calm down a little bit. Now, obviously I would have liked the Bucks to win last night. I would have liked the Brewers to win this afternoon too. Brent Suter in the eighth inning, which I guess was technically the 10th inning because they were playing a seven inning doubleheader. Whatever. We got to calm down a little bit, even when our teams lose. Like, I don't think last night's Bucks game is that big of a deal. Like, I see everybody saying, like, oh, it's the same old Bucks. It's embarrassing. They didn't show up. Ah, it's one game. Let's take a pill a little bit. Let's take a deep breath. I think, if anything, we've learned over the last couple of weeks of the NBA playoffs that these series ebb and flow quite a bit. We, like, the Lakers were about to beat the Suns. Like, we were con- we were convinced. And then all of a sudden, they didn't. A couple players get injured, something switches, and... The narrative completely changes. So let's just let's just relax a little bit. That's what I'm preaching tonight, I think. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having a swell afternoon. The Brewers were about to win a really interesting, exciting pitcher's duel game. And then, of course, they didn't because Brent Suter had to come in and load the bases in the seventh. But that's fine. We can talk about the Brewers a different time. The second game of their doubleheader starts at 530 tonight. So our time is short. We only have about an hour and 10 minutes, which I would like to spend mostly talking about the Bucks because they're in the NBA Finals. I'm sure we'll make more time for the Brewers later this week. We talked about the Brewers a little bit yesterday. David Gasper joined us from reviewing the Brew. But for right now, I want to talk about last night's game. And I'm frustrated that I had to wait an extra 18 minutes because I'm so excited to talk about it. And I'm sure you're in the same boat. The number, 608-796-2558. That's the talk and text line, Twitter, at Wisco Grant, if you want to be a part of the show that way as well. We're going to hear from Giannis a little bit before the end of the show. I guess maybe we'll do like five minutes right before six o'clock. Talk about Aaron Rodgers in the match yesterday. Maybe if we get there. But other than that, mostly Bucks. And I would love to get your opinion, even if you're not calm. I know I started the show by saying calm down, but I don't mean to tell you how to feel. That's just my stance. And I guess I will now explain it. 118-105, the final score for the Bucks last night. Okay, the Suns looked really, really good. Okay, that's a little concerning. And the Bucks are down... Oh, one, which is concerning. You never want to lose games in the playoffs, let alone in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I'm I'm not rattled today. Like, listen to my voice. Do I sound do I sound bent out of shape? I'm actually very optimistic today. I'm thrilled. Well, as th- I guess as thrilled as a man can be after one man's team loses game one in the finals. I think that's the best way to look at it. I think Bucks fans today should be as optimistic as you would expect a fan to be after their team lost a game in the NBA Finals. So think of it this way. Let's say we're going into last night's game. 
a game that saw Giannis actually look pretty good and Chris Middleton look really good, albeit on a lot of shots. Drew Holiday, not good. The final score, 118-105. We're going into last night's game, and somebody tells us, all right, the Bucs are going to lose game one. They're going to lose tonight. So we know that going in. Consider all the different losing scenarios, all the different ways a team could lose in the playoffs in game one of the finals. Think of all, all the different possibilities, all the things that could have happened. I feel like last night, maybe not the best case scenario, but it's it's a pretty good scenario. Like, sure, the Bucks could have been up and then the Suns hit some miraculous game-winning shot. Okay, maybe that's a better case scenario. Probably would have hurt more, but maybe that's a better case scenario. I think this is just about as good of a loss as you can have and have it still be a loss, obviously. I think this is one of the best case scenarios. I think the Bucs can play better and I, that, I think that's about as good as the Suns can play. Now, I say this all the time. I really hate after a loss in the playoffs. He's like, well, that team's not going to shoot that good again, or that player's not going to play that good again. They did play that good last night. Devin Booker and Chris Paul and the Suns were fantastic last night, and that game counts, right? Even if it is an outlier game, that still counts. The Bucs are down 0-1. But I think the Bucs can play better, and I don't know if the Suns can play much better. Now, some may disagree. I was listening to some podcasts last night and stuff, and I heard a couple of people who have probably been down on the Bucs say things like, see, that's that's why I don't like the Bucs. That's the problem with the Bucs. All the issues with the Bucs, we see... The issues, I, I don't feel that way. The Bucks might be a little clunky. They might be a little flawed, but I think they've shown us over the last couple of weeks that they hardly start a series in a place where they end a series, and I have faith that the Bucks can play a little bit better. I don't think the Bucks played bad last night. I don't think they looked that terrible. I thought they brought the energy from the jump in the first quarter, for example. This is something I was looking at last night because I, I think a tendency when the Bucks lose in the playoffs, we just assume, well, they didn't have it. They didn't show up tonight. Well, in the first quarter last night, there were seven lead changes. The quarter was tied three times. The Suns led it four by one point. The Bucks led by three at one point. Like, I think the Suns and the Bucks were both engaged from the jump. I don't think it was an energy issue or an intensity issue. I don't think the Bucks played bad last night. They have little things they can improve upon, but watching the Suns, that was my takeaway. How good were the Suns last night? They had it going on. Right, things went their way, and that's to be expected. They're at home in game one of the finals. Things are supposed to go your way when you're opening up an NBA finals at home. And as I watched the Suns last night and the Bucks to a certain degree, I kept thinking, okay, well, there's something that only happens in game one. That just game one things, right? This this might be a weird example, but it was something I was thinking about today. This is like a couple of years ago on social media, when social media was very, very different. I remember this this phase, and I looked it up today, and there were some some examples of this on Tumblr and Instagram and stuff like that. Remember the social media trend where it was just girly things? You remember this? Where you'd have like a like a, a, a kind of a fruity picture, like somebody in jeans in autumn leaves, like very pretty, or like a field of wildflowers in front of a sunset, right? You'd have this picture, and then there would be a message on the picture. And I dug a few of these up today. Like one I found was when he tells you he has feelings for you. It's just this nice, like glowing message. You'd see this on social media, just girly things. Or... I found one that said, wanting someone to tell you that you are beautiful. Just girly things, right? I found a bunch of examples of this today. And like, that's where my brain went. Just game one things. Things that only happen in game one. For a home team and things that happen against a team that's playing on the road. Just game one things. Right, like CP3 last night. He had 32. He was amazing. And I've used CP3 as an example over the last two weeks. Not only as a guy who can score, but a point guard should know what his team needs. Should be able to feel out a game read the room and say, okay, tonight my team needs me to do this. And Chris Paul's really good at that. Last night, Chris Paul did a little bit of that. He got Aiton involved, and he got Booker involved, but he also scored. He had 32. 
Now, he scored 32 last night. That game counts. That game is in the books. Whether he scores 32 again or not, that's not my point. But if I had to bet on Chris Paul scoring 33 a game or 24 a game moving forward, I'd probably bet the 24. And look, if Chris Paul goes for 33 a game the rest of the finals, the Suns are going to win. Okay, that's just the reality. But I don't think he's scoring 33 a game. I don't think that's the player that he is. Now, in game one or in game six of the last round, he can kick it up a notch, but I don't know if he can sustain that for an entire series. I think that's an example of something that's just a game one thing. And it wasn't just the scoring total for Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Devin Booker, by the way, Chris Paul had 32. How many did Booker have? He got to the free throw line a lot, which helped. He had 27, so he was excellent as well. 32 points for Paul, 27 for Devin Booker. It wasn't just their scoring totals. It was how some of these points were scored, where I just like, ugh, you just groan. Especially from those two players. The Bucks switching defense wasn't bad. Like, yeah, Brooke Lopez was isolated on the top of the key. He was on Chris Paul. He was on Booker at times, but he held his own. He kept, he kept Chris Paul in front of him, kept Devin Booker in front of him. He made life difficult for those shooters, and they hit tough shots. You're going to have that in the NBA. The Suns are going to hit tough shots, even over good defense, and the Bucks are going to need to do the same. Otherwise, they can't win a series like this. Like, one of Chris Paul's jumpers, I believe it was in the second quarter, it rolled around like three or four bounces on the rim, and then it fell in. And it's just like, okay, yeah, that's going to go. It's game one. They're at home. It's the Suns' night, right? And that's kind of what you expect in game one. That doesn't mean Brooke Lopez played bad defense or P.J. Tucker, although I, don't, I think P.J. Tucker could have been better. Maybe we'll talk more about that. But I thought the Bucks, by and large, played pretty good defense last night. I don't think the defense was the issue. The Suns hit really tough shots, and that'll happen. The ball will kind of bounce your way when you're playing in game one at home of the NBA Finals. Let's talk about the Bucks. things that went wrong for them in the first half and in the second half and just in game one in general. The Bucks missed eight shots in the restricted area in the first half. Like, that's that that's tough. If you can't hit the bunnies, and the Bucks were making threes last night. They shot like 41% from three, which is one of the better nights. I actually think it was 45% from three, which is one of their best performances of the postseason so far. They needed that, which kept them in this game, but they couldn't finish at the rim. They missed eight shots in the restricted area in the first half, and DeAndre Ayton is a great rim protector. I love that DeAndre Ayton's good, by the way. Like, the basketball fan in me loves this finals and loves that the Suns are good, and I, I enjoy this matchup, but DeAndre Ayton is a tough defender. But Brooke is better than that, and Chris Middleton is better than that, and Giannis is better, and Drew is a better finisher than he showed last night. They just got some tough roles. Then I expect that to kind of regress to the mean. Progress for the Bucks and regress to the mean for the Suns, but that's a game one thing. Like, sometimes you'll have tough luck in game one, and I think that was the, I think that was the case last night. Drew Holiday went 4-14 of 14 last night with only 10 points. He still had nine assists, so he was effective here and there. Part of that is because the Bucks shot so well from three. He was just bad. I don't expect him to be that bad again. Game one on the road in the finals, that's a tough go. Right, Brooke Lopez, at one point in the third quarter, he went to the free throw line and he missed both. And I'm just like, ugh, if those aren't going, you're not going to win. He's a career 80% free throw shooter. But he's missing two shots at the line. Just game one things, right? The free throw discrepancy last night, which I know Bucks fans were paying attention to, I certainly was. I don't think it was the reason they lost. In fact, I know it wasn't the reason they lost. But it really does jump off the page. Milwaukee shot 16 free throws. Phoenix shot 26. Now, Phoenix made more of their free throws. And that's quite the difference. It's worth mentioning. I also think it's worth mentioning that Phoenix, it's, they're not a team that goes to the line a lot. They were 29 of 30 NBA teams this year at about 18 free throw attempts per game. They went to the line 12 times in just the first half. I don't expect that to continue. If, if that does continue, Bucks fans are going to claim that this series is rigged. Which I, look. If the Bucs play 
poorly and they don't get the calls. Okay, that's one thing. If this is a really even series and the free throw discrepancy continues to be huge, maybe then we can talk about how it's rigged or whatever. I'm not going to do that right now. But I think in game one, Phoenix got the calls. Milwaukee didn't. And I don't think that's just a stance from a Bucks fan. I think even Van Gundy mentioned that on the broadcast last night at one point. It was just the Suns' night. It was. And it's typically the home team's night in game one of the finals. I went back and I looked today. In nine of the last 10 NBA finals, the home game has, or the home team rather, has won game one. Now, I didn't count the bubble last year because I don't really know what we're supposed to take away from that. So going back to Boston, LA in 2010 to now. So there's Oklahoma City, there's San Antonio, there's Miami, Golden State, Toronto. The home team has won nine of the last 10 game ones in the NBA finals. So I know Bucks fans are frustrated today and oh, they never show up in game one and they're never ready to play. Well, in the last decade, no road team has really ever showed up in game one. I don't think this is a problem specific to the Bucks. And by the way, I think the Bucks showed up last night. They had some back and forth moments in the first quarter. They were taking shots. They were giving shots to Phoenix. It was back and forth. There were a bunch of lead changes. So I don't think it was an energy thing. They came out ready to play. Phoenix just made tough shots and made tough plays over the course of the game. And the Bucks didn't. It was the Suns night. And I think Bucks fans today should feel just about as good as a team can feel considering they're coming off a loss. And Giannis looked really good. He looked physically with it. And I think he'll get better, hopefully, as the series goes along. Hopefully, it doesn't swell back up and give him issues. Coach Bud always talks about how Giannis is a rhythm player. So hopefully, he feels more like he's in a rhythm as the series goes on. I think there are a lot of positives from last night. Now, none of those positives mean anything if the Bucs come out in game two and play terribly and then game three and play terribly. I'm not saying that the Bucs are about to get hot and win the series. I'm saying that game one and everything that happened last night doesn't preclude them from doing so. That's what I'm saying. So don't be that upset today. If the Bucs win the next, or if the Bucs lose the next two games, well, okay, well, then we can get mad, but I'll wait just a little bit. 608-796-2558. Jordan says, kind of expected that from the Bucs last night. Their worst game every series is game one, and the best game for the Suns is also game one. Hopefully that continues. Yeah, the Suns have been great in game one. The Bucs have not been. I tend to agree with you. Maybe I think that's that has to do with the mindset of both of these teams, something we're going to talk about more in the show. Jamie at Ken's Barbershop, he says, I have come to consider the annual swoon executed by the Brewers before and after the All-Star break is a tradition. Yeah, they're typically not good going into the All-Star break. So we're in... This is a scary stretch for the Brewers today. That was a disappointing loss today. Had the lead twice, blew it twice. I guess Josh Hader was bound to blow a save at some point. There's never a good time to blow one, but blowing one when you're about to beat Jacob DeGrom, probably not the best. I mean, he hadn't pitched in like eight days, right, Jamie? It had been a while, so I guess it's not shocking, but yeah. Brewers typically drag the plow in and out of the All-Star break. The Bucks typically drag the plow in game one, so I guess none of this is surprising. We just move forward, and we hope our teams improve. Let's take a break. I want to talk about maybe some small improvements the Bucs can make in Game 2. I don't think there's a lot. I just think they need to do a better job of what they were doing in Game 1. But I do think maybe there are a couple of tweaks here and there they can make. So let's talk about that coming up next. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show my name grant bills i hope you're enjoying your evening brewers lost today bucks lost yesterday but i I, i'm i'm content today i'm thrilled to be alive these losses aren't aren't bringing me down jamie texts in our listener on the north side makes an amazing point it's a point that i wish i would have thought of jamie says i have come to consider the annual swoon executed by the brewers before and after the all-star break as a tradition i think it is a tradition the brewers always stink going in and out of the all-star break and the bucks typically aren't their best selves 
in game one. So we kind of, like, well, this is a perfect storm where all of our teams are in a tough spot. It's a good thing the NFC Championship game isn't this week because then we'd have the trifecta of games and situations where our teams absolutely go in the tank. Thank you, Jamie. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. I hate bringing this up because it makes the show sound unprofessional. It makes me sound like an idiot, but I'll be honest with you. The phone wasn't working yesterday. Um, be, nothing in our control. It was our phone provider that was down. Our staff here in the building did an excellent job staying afloat in the meantime, but the phone is back. In fact, I tested it myself. I gave myself a call over the break, and then I called in, and it is working. So I know Brenda, Brett, um, who was the other caller who said they called yesterday? Maybe it was Dave and Monona. I'm not sure. I will get you on today if you call uh, because I have tested the phone myself, uh, and it's working just fine. So you can be a part of the show if you'd like. 608 608- 796-2558, like I said, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Started the show by basically saying it's not a huge deal. Yeah, I would have loved the Bucks to win game one. It would, have, it would have been great. Absolutely. That's the best case scenario. But if somebody would have told you yesterday, hey, the Bucks are going to lose tonight, I think that's a pretty good scenario, best case scenario. The Bucks were working through some issues, figuring some things out defensively. The Suns hit really tough shots. They got a really good whistle. The Bucks missed some easy shots. They didn't really get to the free throw line. It's a best-case scenario in a loss, I believe. And Giannis looked great. Giannis looked really, really good. And here's another point to consider. We're all doom and gloom last night and this morning. What if the Bucks win game two and it's tied 1-1 going back to Milwaukee? What are we saying then? Oh, we're feeling great. We're in the driver's seat. Giannis is getting healthier. The Bucks are adjusting, and they're getting smarter as the series goes on. We stole a game on the road. Life is good, right? So just consider that. Don't freak out before game one if a simple win in game two is going to completely cure everything, right? These series are long, and the narrative is going to switch one way, two ways, three ways, a bunch of different times. And that's why I hate first take. Like, Cowherd's show to a degree, he's not as bad as this, where we'll have a game like last night, and then everybody will get on TV the next day and be like, it's over. No, it's not. What? No, it's not. It's not, it's not even an entertaining segment. What? It's not over. There's seven of these games. Now, if the Bucks lose the next two, okay, well, then it's over. We got a long ways to go before that, and I would be shocked if the Suns are going to go up 3-0 on this Bucks team. I think they're either going to win in Game 2 or certainly in Game 3 to make it interesting. And we already saw the Bucks go in a 2-0 hole against Brooklyn, and they were able to dig out. So I think this team has shown that they can adjust and get better over the course of a series and, and take the momentum back and climb out of a hole. It's that Kenny the Jet Smith quote we've referenced for three weeks. A championship team at some point has got to dig themselves out of a hole. Might not be a series deficit. It might be an injury. It might be a bad shooting performance. Whatever that hole is, at some point, a championship team has to overcome that. The Bucs have already done it a couple of times. Now they'll have to do it again. It's nothing crazy. The final score last night, 118-105. Chris Middleton was awesome. I thought we were in for a bad Chris Middleton game last night. He showed up and hit shots. It was Drew Holiday that was in the tank last night, 4 of 14. He just didn't seem sure of his role, which is one improvement they're going to need to make from game one to game two. I think the Bucks do 95% of the same things in game two. They'll be fine. They just need to execute a little bit better. They need to finish at the rim. They need to get to the foul line, which I think will take care of itself because I don't think that free throw discrepancy is going to be nearly as wide in game two as it was in game one. I don't think the Bucks need to make C changes. I don't think they need to throw away a game plan and come up with something different. I just think they need to execute a little better. Now, there are a couple of tweaks I was thinking about today. I was like, well, maybe we could adjust this. Maybe we could tweak this. Maybe we could change this, right? Maybe these tiny little things. And I texted our friend Brian Sampson today, Bucks Film Room, who I hope can join us later this week because he's been joining us the end of the week throughout all of these NBA finals. Um, and he was on vacation last week. He loves hanging out at the Yacht Club and he loves going on vacation. He's a very bougie guest, Brian Sampson, Bucks Film Room. I, I texted a couple of these points today because I just, 
I wanted to pick his brain on a couple of these. Just some small little improvements and tweaks here and there that I was thinking about. I don't think that there are going to be any huge minute changes. That's always what we think first. It's like, well, Brook Lopez can't play in the series. Well, he's going to have to. Because if you start pulling Brook Lopez off the floor for the entire game, what, are you going to play Portis at center the entire time? And Giannis, he's on a bum knee? Like, no, that's not realistic. Drew is, or, or Brook rather, is going to have to play minutes. And sorry, Jeff Teague is going to have to play a little bit. Now, maybe not as much as last night, although three minutes is hardly a ton of time. Jeff Teague is going to have to play here and there. Without Dante, they're a man short, so everybody slides up. They're going to have to get a little Jeff Teague, and they're going to have to survive those minutes. Same with Pat Connaughton. I see a lot of Pat Connaughton slander from Bucks fans on Twitter. He's been pretty good this postseason. He's hit three-pointers here and there, made a good defensive play here and there, just pitching in when he can and keeping the team afloat when Drew or Middleton or Giannis is on the bench. And their best lineup this year or in this postseason has been Giannis, Drew, Chris Middleton, Pat Connaughton, and P.J. Tucker. Pat has been a part of their best lineup. So let's let's stop with the Pat slander. He's been pretty good. Brooke is going to have to play as is Pat and Teague. Now, Brooke is going to continue to do the things defensively that I think we saw last night. Maybe they switch one through five, or maybe they ask Brooke to do a little bit of drop coverage. They did a little bit of both last night. The Suns were really good against both, and I don't think it was the fault of Brooke Lopez. I think it was just to Chris Paul's credit and to Devin Booker's credit. It was just really good shot making. If you can go off the dribble over a seven-foot-tall Brooke Lopez on the move, okay, like, hey— the, the, you earn those two points. You earn those three points. If you can hit a runner and drop coverage over Brook Lopez, okay, you earn those points. The Bucks are going to have to earn points at the other end, too. I don't think sea changes defensively are coming. Brooks just got to get a tiny little bit better here and there. If you're playing drop coverage, we'll come out another foot and a half instead of lurking right under the rim. If you're on top of the key, maybe don't switch every screen. Maybe try to fight over one. Maybe don't just succeed, or what would the word be, concede Brook Lopez right onto the point guard if you don't have to. Sometimes you will. That's the reality of the situation. But maybe just make little tweaks here and there to buy an extra possession or two defensively where you just like the matchup a little bit better. I don't think minutes are going to change big time. P.J. Tucker is going to have to find out a way to like fit a little bit better. I don't know exactly what they're going to do with him, but he's going to have to play. So I don't think minute changes are coming. On defense, I think you got to put Drew Holiday on Chris Paul to start possessions. Like I don't think we saw enough of that. I think we started with P.J. Tucker or Chris Middleton, Chris Paul is the head of the snake. And it's not just scoring. He had 32 last night, but Chris Paul's greatest skill isn't being able to score. Chris Paul's skill is being able to read a game, read a room, and figure out what his team needs. They need an assist man. Okay, he'll do that. If DeAndre Ayton needs to get involved, okay, he'll do that. Or if they need scoring, like last night, or like in game six when he had 40-plus, okay, he'll do that. He is kind of the organizer. He's the point guard. And Drew Holiday has to disrupt that because Chris Paul just looked way too comfortable last night. And if Drew's going to give you 14 points or 10 points on one end of the court, he needs to give you more defensively on the other. So I think if you start with Drew Holiday on CP3, not only does that obviously help mitigate the damage that Chris Paul is doing, but it makes life easier for everybody else because the issues they had in switching and in drop coverage if Brooke Lopez was under the rim last night, it all stemmed from P.J. Tucker starting defensive possessions on Chris Paul. Like, that was the first domino to fall. Maybe Brooke Lopez gave up the basket or Pat Connaughton gave up the basket, but the set and the, the struggle defensively all started with P.J. Tucker at the top of the key. So let's swap P.J. Tucker and let's get Drew Holiday out there instead. Maybe, and this is what I can't decide if I like or not, maybe you mix drop coverage with small ball switching one through five. Like, that's the two defenses they've used. Drop coverage, which is Brooke Lopez sagging under the rim. Or you just switch everything, which means sometimes Brooke Lopez is going to be defending one-on-one at the top of the key. Neither one is perfect, but both will work. Maybe you mix them up a little bit, and therefore you force Booker and Chris Paul to go at different looks 
and different schemes, and maybe that prevents them from getting in a rhythm. I don't know. Maybe. Or maybe that would be a huge mess, and maybe the Bucks should just focus on one defensive scheme. I don't know. I'm not a basketball coach. I'm just throwing out ideas here. Anything you can do to prevent Booker and Chris Paul, especially Booker, from getting in a rhythm, he's such a rhythm player. Like Chris Middleton, when he gets hot, right, shots start falling really well. They're, they're well defended or not. Whatever you can do to keep them out of a rhythm, if that's mixing up defensive coverages or sticking with one, that's what they should do. I'm just throwing out ideas. I'm not a basketball coach. Once again, offensively, I think, like defense, you should start more possessions with Drew. Drew is an afterthought early. I think he took four shots in the first quarter. I thought it was fewer. When I went back and looked at the box today, yeah, Drew went 0 for 4. He took one three-pointer. He had one rebound, four assists. Four assists in the first quarter isn't too bad. Now, they shot in that quarter 33% from three, which I guess isn't great. Brooke Lopez made one. Chris Middleton made one. Uh... Bryn Forbes took one, didn't hit. So they, they shot better last night, which helps the assist numbers. But Drew Holiday in the first quarter was an afterthought. And now we're getting close to halftime, and you're like, ah, oh, Drew still hasn't gotten it going. So I think if you go to him earlier, maybe that helps him establish himself in a game. Maybe, maybe not. I also think maybe staggering Drew Holiday and Giannis. As weird as it seems, because you want all your best players on the floor at the same time. But maybe if you can hunt three or four minute stretches throughout the game where Giannis is on the bench and Holiday's on the floor, or vice versa you kind of let them run independently. And if Giannis wants to attack the rim, okay, well, now Drew Holiday isn't in the way or vice versa. Because a lot of times, Giannis, for as good as he is, one thing he needs to improve on is feel. And sometimes when he doesn't have the ball, he just kind of stands in the way and he doesn't have a real great feel for it. So he's bringing extra bodies into the paint, which is the last thing you need for Drew Holiday, who's a bigger physical guard who wants to get downhill and wants to attack the rack. Now, closing lineups, you're going to have Drew and Giannis on the floor at the same time. Same with you know, starting lineups. But over the course of a game, maybe stagger them a little bit so they have opportunities to get it going independent of each other and get in a little bit more of a rhythm, a little bit more of a feel as the game goes on. Just an idea. Once again, I'm not a basketball coach. Maybe that's the worst idea in the world. I'm just trying to think outside the box here. That's all. 608-796-2558. Steve. Steve says, hey, I missed this morning show with Dave, but rumor has it I won the Harlem Globetrotter tickets. Is that true? You know, Steve, the funniest thing, Dave is actually in studio with me today because he's going to be filling in on Friday. So he's getting a feel for things. He's giving me a heads up or a thumbs up. So yes, Steve, you are the winner. Are you listening in the hot tub tonight? I know you often listen in the hot tub with your wife. It seems like a very romantic experience for you two. You are the winner. So you get to see the Globetrotters at the Lacrosse Center. Absolutely. Duck in Holman says it's water under the fridge. So you're just quoting. You're just quoting Trailer Park Boys. Yeah. Game one, it's water under the fridge. Thank you. Thank you, Duck. Let's take a break. I don't know what I want to do for the next 10 minutes. I know we're going to get back into the Bucks at five o'clock. But for the next 10 minutes, maybe we do a couple of minutes on the Brewers, a couple of minutes on the Aaron Rodgers thing from yesterday, and then we get back into the NBA Finals, back into the Bucks at 5. Does that sound good? Of course, your texts and your tweets are welcome at Wisco Grant if you're on Twitter and want to be a part of the show that way as well. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah. show my name grant bills a short show today which is fine i think i've had enough time to get all of my bucks takes off my chest we're gonna have a couple of minutes to talk about the brewers as well the brewers went to extras today so the show started about 20 minutes late we're gonna end about 20 minutes early because game two of the doubleheader starts at 6 10 which means a 5 35 pregame a lot of math 
I'm just doing a lot of math in my head. It's fine. I already have a headache from the Brewers getting walked off today and the Bucks losing last night. So enough math. 608-796-2558. Twitter at Wisco Grant as well. Steve, thank you for following up, Steve. I asked if you're listening in your hot tub. He says, sweet, no hot tub yet. Waiting for my lady to get home. <laughs> you never sit in the hot tub by yourself? Bet it's incredibly relaxing and a beautiful day to hot tub today, too. It feels so good walking outside. I know it's cliche to talk about the weather, but I, oh, it's so nice outside today. feel like I've been sweating for two weeks straight. So, Steve, just hit me up with an invite sometime. I'll come hot tub. Maybe not with you and your wife, but your wife is out of town for a weekend and you need to stay out of trouble. Just let me know. I'll bring some drinks over or whatever. It'll be a good time. That is Steve on the talking text line. 608-796-2558. Before we get back into the Bucks at 5 o'clock, maybe a couple of minutes on what happened to the Brewers today and what's happening to them right now. And then maybe a comment or two on Aaron Rodgers right before we take a break. The Brewers have lost three in a row now after winning 11 in a row. So we're still coming out ahead, certainly. Jamie made the excellent point on the talk and text line that the Brewers always stink going into the all-star break anyways. So just brace yourself. We might have a losing streak, which look, I, like, I get it. You go through hot streaks, you go through cold streaks. We just won 11 in a row. It would be, I think, a little bit needy and whiny as a fan base to now lose our mind about losing three in a row. The Brewers easily could have won today. They had a lead in the eighth or in the seventh, which is technically the ninth. I guess, because it's a seven-inning doubleheader. Hader blows his first save of the year after being off for eight days. It's, I mean, he was due. He was especially due for not getting work in such a long time. And then they get a lead in extras, and then Brent Suter comes on and then gives it away. I like Brent Suter. I'm a Brent Suter guy. I'm not a Brent Suter in high-leverage spots. And there's a, like, there's a difference between garbage time relievers, or like mop-up guys, and guys who aren't high-leverage relievers. And I'm working through this as I speak, so bear with me. If, if we're going to put relievers in categories, we have your high-leverage guys, which is Hayter, Williams, your closers, your setup men. Then you have your next tier of guys, and then you have your mop-up guys. Suter's in the middle, and Suter is really good at being one of those middle guys. If you need somebody to pitch the fifth through the seventh or take over in the sixth inning and, and pitch in a close ball game, he can do that. He's just not a pitcher that brings requisite intensity and ferocity to pitch in a high-leverage scenario, I'm not bringing him in with runners on base in the 8th, the ninth, the 10th, the 11th, right? That doesn't mean if the game is tied and it's the 6th, I'm not bringing him in, but I'm not bringing him in in the biggest moments. I don't know what Boxberger's availability was like today. I probably would have preferred him. I really like what Sanchez and Cousins have done, too. I like Brent Suter. I'm not putting him out to pasture as some bummy mop-up guy, but I, I thought Council missed today. Now, maybe other guys weren't available. I, I, I don't know. It would be a frustrating thing to say that guys aren't available after they were off yesterday, de facto off with a rainout. But I don't know. Suter in high leverage, that's I don't know. That's a tough way to go out. If you go out with Boxberger or you go out with Hayter Williams, I'll take it. But bringing Brent Suter into the game in the bottom of an extra inning with runners on, I'm, I'm not really a fan of that. And we've talked about this as the season goes along, right? We're always adjusting kind of our reliever hierarchy. Who's our closer? Who's our setup guy? Who's the next guy? Who's the next guy? I don't know where Suter falls on that right now. I will give props to Williams, who came in and hit a batter, but he was able to get the out after Burns left a couple on the bags in the sixth inning, which is technically the eighth inning because it's a shirt. You get the point, right? It was might as well have been in the second to last inning in the eighth inning, which today would have been the sixth. So the Brewers lost. They'll play again tonight. If they win tonight, I'll probably, I'll probably feel a lot better. If they lose tonight and that makes it four in a row, maybe then I'll be a little bit frustrated. Coach Wench, you have a Drew Holiday text, so I'm going to get to that on the other side of this break because we're about to get right back into the Bucks. Aaron Rodgers golfed in a match yesterday, which I, I watched a little bit of just because I was waiting for the Bucks to start. I think I joked on yesterday's show that I would actually rather watch hockey 
than a golf match like that, and you know that I'm, I don't dislike hockey. I just, I don't really get anything from watching it because it's not my sport. I don't know. Watching Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers, long hair Aaron Rodgers, vegan Aaron Rodgers. This is a different brand of Aaron Rodgers. Coastal cool kid Aaron, Aaron Rodgers. I didn't really need to watch him golf, but I watched a little bit of it. Two takes. One has really nothing to do with sports. Maybe this is an unpopular take. I'm not a golfer, so I'll throw that out as a precursor to this. I really hate when we take beautiful natural areas like Big Sky Montana and build a giant golf course there. Like, I know that's probably an unpopular take. I saw everybody tweeting yesterday like, oh, I want to golf there. I want to. It's beautiful. Yes, it is beautiful. So maybe let's not, maybe let's not build a golf course there. I don't know. That was kind of my takeaway. It's the same when Bill talks about, um, Bill Michaels talks about Road America. He's always like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. It's like a natural park with a racetrack here. It's like, well, if it's like a natural park, a national park, maybe let's not build a racetrack. I don't know. Does that make me a hippie? I just don't like to golf. So I think I'm a little bit jaded for that reason. My other takeaway, and this is actually 100% stolen from Colin Cowherd today because I love this take so much. I feel weirdly better about Aaron Rodgers coming back to the Packers. Now the beef is there. He's definitely ticked at the organization and the organization isn't happy at him. I'm not denying that this is all drama fabricated by ESPN for clicks or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. But I think Aaron Rodgers comes back because he has to if he wants to play. I also, just the energy on TV yesterday... He was just, he was smiling. He was joking. Brian Anderson asked him, like, you're going to be back with the Packers. You're going to be starting week one. And Rodgers just kind of had that grin on his face. He's like, hey, we'll see. To me, that signals like, yeah, I'm not really thrilled about the way things are going. But, yeah, I'm probably going to play. But we're going to make this fun in the meantime. I don't know. That's how I read the room. That's what Cowherd said to lead his show today, too. And I heard that. I was like, damn it. Kind of wish I would have thought of that. But then again, I wasn't dialed into the match with Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady and Rodgers last night just because, I don't know, it was cool. I saw a little bit. I was entertained a little bit. I know nothing about golf, and I don't enjoy golfing, so I don't get a lot out of it, but I'm weirdly more at ease about Rodgers, although I think we're all at the point now where, like, dude, if you want to show up, great. If not, just stop. Just stop. Sit out this year if that's what you're going to do, and we'll cheer for Jordan Love or, or do whatever we need to do in the meantime. I just I think we're all kind of over it, but I was weirdly put at ease yesterday. Rodgers seemed to have that that energy about him. The expression would be uh, a swear word and then grin. He had an S grin on his face, almost similar to when he draws defenders off sides. You know what I mean? So that put me at ease just a little bit more yesterday. 608-796-2558. Coach Wench, you have a, uh, you have a Bryn Forbes and a Drew Holiday comment. So I'm going to save that until we get back to the Bucks after this. Steve, uh, who's been the star of the show so far, he said, sweet, no hot tub yet. Waiting for my lady to get home. Do you like dogs? You can dog sit when we go to Vegas and the house is yours for four days. Steve, don't tempt me. That sounds like a blast. I love dogs. And if you need a house sitter, we can talk. Uh, we don't have to do that over the air, but I do love dogs and I love a hot tub and I love a good, quiet, nice house to myself where I can read and watch sports without being bothered, especially if you have central air because my house does not. So maybe we're speaking each other's language. I'm, I'm serious about that. Now, we'll talk about if the pantry and the liquor cabinet, what's off limits, what's not. We can figure that out at a later date. But thank you. Yes, Steve, I, I will consider that. You please do the same. Let's get back into the Bucks coming up next. They lost last night. I'm not losing a whole lot of sleep over it. I actually feel pretty good, at least as good as one can feel after one's team loses a game in the NBA Finals. So that's coming up next. And then we'll turn it over to the Brewers at 530. All that coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. 